Okay. Hi, welcome to another podcast from the Fashion Clinic via London College of Fashion. Today, we have a panel discussion about circularity, a theme that's very popular in our world right now. I'm the host for today, Georgie Twomley, and co-hosting with me is fellow Fashion Clinic member, Alex Bruce, who will also be participating in today's discussion as he's an entrepreneur as well. Joining us today, we have Sabina, who will be speaking about her namesake brand, Sabina. Coco is also here. She runs Circla, a luxury fashion rental marketplace that is making renting as aspiring as buying new to enable a greener consumption behavior. We also have Mikey, who's running an app-based marketplace for solely reworked fashion called Upgarm. And I'll let Alex introduce himself and his own background and what he's working on. Um, good afternoon, everyone. I'm Alex Bruce, as Georgie kindly introduced me. Um, so I've got a couple of businesses regarding circularity. So I've been buying and selling um, secondhand clothing on Depop for the past four or five years, doing quite well for that. And then my idea going into London College of Fashion is uh, a mystery box um, service, which is basically like personally curating secondhand clothing to go into a box based on a person's styles and needs. Um, so uh, Sabina, would you like to introduce yourself and your brand? Sure. Thanks for having me, first of all. It's lovely being here. Well, so uh, Sabina is all about making and selling uh, sustainable fashion uh, through an educational approach. We offer sustainable products, but also conscious experiences. And these experiences um, are workshops, uh, a podcast where we have other experts from the industry coming in and unpicking certain topics, webinars that we do for young entrepreneurs. So a range of things that help us bridge the gap between consumption and also understanding what it actually is that you're buying. So the concept, I would say, is quite unusual. Um, and quite unique as well. But I do feel in order for people to understand why they're buying sustainable and what they're spending their money on, we do need that educational approach. Completely agree. <laughs> um, Coco, would you like to introduce yourself briefly? Yeah, of course. So uh, my name is Coco and I'm the founder and CEO of Circ, which is a luxury rental marketplace. As Georgie was mentioning, we're connecting luxury brands with renters and we're facilitating the logistic through a network of best-in-class partner. All of this to make renting as easy and as appealing as buying new to enable our community to consume more sustainably. Um, as we work directly with brands, we also allow them uh, to move into the rental space by you know, enabling that tech and logistics solution as we strongly believe that if we're going to make the fashion ecosystem um, greener and solve the big waste issue, it, we need to also work closely um, with, with those brand partners. Perfect. And then finally, Mikey. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, yeah, I'm Mikey. I'm from Upgone, one of the co-founders. And Upgone, what we've made at the moment is an app-based marketplace for just solely rework fashion. Uh, and the idea being is trying to create that consolidated space whereby it really puts the spotlight on all those talented artisans that are out there. Um, we kind of came about the idea of just seeing them pop up on like your Instagram, Etsy, Depop, but their kind of voice was just lost within the clutter. Other people trying to have their voice heard on like Instagram. Then of course, Depop is predominantly used for just selling secondhand clothes um, and their talent wasn't really being like showcased. So we kind of, yeah, built up gone with the idea of just housing them in one place so people know where they can go to find higher, high quality rework pieces. Amazing. Thank you very much, everyone, for introducing yourselves. Um, 
So I've obviously got a secondhand clothing background and during COVID, I noticed the way, like a shift in the way people viewed secondhand clothing with that, because originally there's like that so-called stigma behind things, behind secondhand clothing. Um, I wondered if you guys had also noticed this movement, this shift, um, and if so, what do you think has kind of triggered that? Um, anyone jump in? <laughs> yeah, I mean, interesting, like you mentioned, like the stigma was like buying secondhand. I think that you can also attach that to like buying sustainable. There's, there's a little like perception that it has to be really expensive or like it's going to cost you a lot more than fast fashion. And whilst it is, okay, slightly more expensive and we're all fortunate enough to be able to, you know, treat ourselves to more, take that sustainable kind of steps with our fashion. I don't think it necessarily always has to be super expensive. For example, I guess for us, the beauty of Reworked is that the item and the raw materials they're already in circularity. So you haven't got the cost involved there. So actually the pieces don't have that ridiculous price tag that often people have that sort of perception in their head that it's going to have because it's sustainable. Completely agree. I think, you know, if you're looking at a number of trends that were already in motion prior to the pandemic, um, and those includes the, the rise of new ownership model, which, you know, resale and rental very much fits under that, people preferring access over ownership. If you look at a rise of global awareness around sustainability um, and people actually wanting to, to do more, like if you look at consumer now, they want to become activists and brands never been as pressured as there was before by consumer and government. And last one is digital acceleration. All of those being accelerated by COVID has made people more inclined to actually buy secondhand and, and to rent because they're becoming more conscious as to how they're behaving. Um, you know, within our community, 50% of people have actually said that sustainability now is being taken into account and that they want to check, you know, whether the brand is meeting the standards. So actually, if they're not, then they're the way they're buying and consuming needs to put that. I think it's quite interesting from a brand perspective because what Coco mentioned, obviously, um, it, it can be tricky and less and less people in a perfect case scenario don't want to consume new. They want to use whatever is available. But from a brand perspective, I find it interesting because we don't feel like it's competition for us. We are actually excited to see that there are more and more sharing economy and circular um, economy brands coming up and business solutions and business models because I do think it's good for us as a brand to tap into that opportunity and be represented on these platforms as well. So we at Sabina, we work with rental platforms. We work with an upcycling platform um, here in the UK, which is mature, then with by rotation uh, for renting and unowned in Germany. So I do think there is an opportunity to have a business concept as a brand where you produce new items, which are sustainable, tick all the boxes, so you can actually show there is a possibility of building a supply chain that makes sense um, and involve everyone and respects everyone but also think about the existing garments you have or maybe the ones that didn't sell properly or maybe the ones that could be smarter um, in use when they are rented or think about repair services or upcycle existing items out there using your knowledge and artisan work that you have within your company which we definitely have so I find that opportunity exciting as well so I do feel that a lot of brands are missing out on opportunities if they say oh this is competition for us we just want to sell new things and we're not going to participate in that completely agree um so just touching on and carrying on with what you just mentioned Sabina about problems in the fashion industry overconsumption, overproduction um could you guys just briefly touch on how your companies like your models are combating and doing 
uh, stuff to to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm happy to jump in here. I think if you look at the waste issue in fashion, kind of measuring it, um, it, it is costing the global economy 500 billion each year. And a lot of that comes from lack of of recycling and, and the underutilization of clothes. And, and through our rental platform, we are fixing that problem at, at two levels. So first on the consumer side, where they can use renting as a way to experiment and find their own style. So they are trying on pieces, essentially, you know, sometimes it's a piece that is just made for one night stand. And sometimes it's a piece that really has the place in their wardrobe under the essential. Um, and, and, you know, on the brand side, because we're working with brands directly, it is an opportunity for them to also optimize their inventory um, and both, you know, new inventory, but also things that have been um, unsold, especially during COVID. Um, and it's such a shame because it's been on platform. It hasn't been used and yet it deserves to have that second life. Yeah, I completely agree. Just from my point of view with secondhand, it's all about, as you said, giving that new lease of life to clothing. Um, I think that's the most important thing because like, so many people just wear an item for four or five times now and just chuck it away, give it to charity shops or or not even do that. They just put it in the bin or take it to take it to the waste. So I think, yeah, that sense of giving them a new lease of life is really, really important these days. Yeah. yeah. I love what you said there, Coco, about having a one night stand with an item that uh, you, you wouldn't usually commit to. Um, I'm definitely going to try that out with uh, one of your dresses. Um, I think Alex and I were talking about that rental has seen a huge spike and it's probably getting beginning to access a new audience, maybe a younger audience or people who wouldn't usually have used it before. Do you think there's any reasons that rental has started to grow? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can just sit even within our community, right? So there's there's this trend that I was mentioning just now about rising awareness around sustainability, um, digital acceleration, a lot of people moving and shopping online. Uh, but also, if you look at our audience, we have slightly different audience for some of our competitors. Um, and I think the woman we're speaking to, she's very much the power player or the conscious collector. So she's more mature within her customer journey um, compared to a purely aspirational customer. And what's very interesting is what we've seen is those customers are very driven by um, conveniency. So they need a service that is time efficient, but also, um, you know, money savvy. And that is really making it super effortless for them. You know, we deliver to the proof of address. We come pick it up again. And I think by offering just new business model around, you know, tackling down the logistics, but also a wider range of inventory, like inventory that can be exciting for the older audience. Um, that's how we're going to get rental to, to be a bit more mass market. Um, and obviously, as more brand jump on that trends alongside retailers, I think it's going to be something quite big for retailers um, to do as well and have their own strategic rental arm. Um, Sabina, I know you mentioned briefly about rental in your company. Could you just talk a bit about how you try and like incorporate that within your in your company? Yeah, sure. As I mentioned in the beginning, we are about sustainable products, but also conscious experiences. Because when we started off, so we've been around for six years now, sustainability was a very different thing back mm -hmm. then. And the trend, let's call it trend for now, even though we are hoping that it's not just a trend and it, it will stay because it has to. Um, it was really interesting to see because the evolution of it um, went quite quick. 
So we didn't really have time as customers, especially. And I'm saying we, because yes, I am on the inside of the fashion industry, but I am also a customer. So we didn't really have time to adapt to everything that's happening, to understand the words, to get the definition right. And that's why we came to that point where sometimes it's um, absolutely overwhelming as a customer to understand what is happening. If I decide today I want to have a more conscious lifestyle, what is it that I do? Do I start buying sustainable? Do I start renting? Do I not like shop at all or do nothing at all and just ask my grandmother or my mother if she has anything for me to wear in her wardrobe? I find it very overwhelming. So we thought as a business, um, it's also our responsibility to take people on this journey with us and help them understand what it means. So this is why this experience aspect is so important. That's why we have that podcast. This is why we have a lot of communications over social media where we ask people, how much would you pay for it? And then they tell us and we're shocked, (laughs) but we also understand it's because there is a lack of understanding of how things work in a sustainable way. Sometimes it's even wording. How can you avoid greenwashing by not saying that certain word? We all know sustainable as a word is deeply overused at the moment. And I get it, I'm getting annoyed with it. It was replaced with conscious. This is gonna be the same with the word conscious and this is how we continue. But I do think as small brands, as, as companies that are rethinking business concepts in general, we need to get these words back and own them and define them properly and pass this information on to customers. And in terms of rental, it really made sense for us because as Coco said, we do have inventory as well that is just sitting here for a while, not because these items are not amazing. They are, we put the resources in, we created them, they're beautiful. Maybe they were a bit out of season. Maybe the price points were just not fair, especially the sustainable brand. We had to choose that price point, but the customer isn't ready to spend that amount of money because they don't understand what they're spending it on. And rental comes in quite handy. So the rental collaborations that we have are very different, not only in location, but also in type of renting. By rotation is more when you go on their platform, and you decide what to pick. It's a lot, I think, of this one night stands that Coco mentioned, where you have this one specific dress and we can see that um, the audience there is more about this fancy looking dresses, while Unown in Germany is a more practical approach. This is a subscription service. So you can pay monthly and you would receive a box with certain pieces. There we have our best sellers. So we do sell these pieces as well, but we also rent them. So we put some aside like cardigans t-shirts because people want to have something for a month they know they will wear it because the weather fits because their occasions fit now during the pandemic you know working from home and all these fits so it's absolutely smart and we generate money from the same item all over and over and over again i mean it's a win-win situation completely agree um and so for mikey um Yours is a slightly different model almost, but still yeah. circularity massively. Um, just out of interest, your concept, I know it's only just come in recently, recently-ish. Um, what made you come up with the concept of like a marketplace for young artisans, yeah. so you, so to speak? Yeah, I guess for us, like the whole idea behind it was we could see that obviously people were wanting it, like people were wanting it, people were talking about it and I guess, as you guys mentioned, like the sustainability buzzword has been thrown around all the time. And a bit like Serena, we'd kind of got fed up of just hearing it and hearing it. And like anyone was chucking sustainable on anything. And, and I think that's part of the problem. There isn't that like defined definition of what actually is sustainable. Like anyone can actually use it because there isn't a set of criteria you need to reach to be able to brand yourself as sustainable. Um, but for us, we saw like actually reworking clothes that are either damaged or no longer being worn, just unloved clothes and actually bringing them back. Like you've talked about earlier, giving them that new lease of life. 
I think that actually, you know, you can't really argue with that not being sustainable. Like mm. the raw material is already there. It's either going to get thrown out or just sit in someone's wardrobe and not being used. But if you can actually give it that lease of life whereby someone's actually going to start wearing it and those materials are going to be used, I think that is pretty sustainable. So yeah, it was kind of, we wanted to actually put a spotlight on that because there wasn't really, I mean, you've touched on like Rature, I guess they're like website-based, but there wasn't really the app out there that made it super accessible for people to just go, oh, I want something reworked. Where can I go? So kind of that was it. We just wanted to house everything in one place. Um, yeah, and I think we you've talked about how hopefully it isn't a trend, but I, I genuinely do believe, like especially as a generation, I think our generation coming through now are so conscious about it like that like they will happily look into the details of a brand like people are kind of moving away from the h&m the zaras of the world and actually thinking where am i buying from like especially i think recently we're not that recent now but obviously during the pandemic when it came out about less than boohoo i think people have really woken up to the fact like who's making my clothes how how are they being produced and actually now being a lot more cautious about where they spend their money i think that's probably only going to grow as generations come through as well. So yeah, I think it's a trend here to stay really. And Mikey, are you wearing many reworked clothes yourself? So this is kind of, <laughs> this is a Patagonia fleece, but uh -huh. Patagonia was one of our biggest like inspirations behind uh, starting up GOM. So at university, I did a lot of, I did business, but I did a lot it with the uh, sustainability school. Um, and Patagonia have a, like a fantastic business model whereby any product you buy from them, if it gets damaged, get a hole or whatever, you can send it back and free of charge, they'll repair it, send it back to you because their whole premise is like circularity. Um, so yeah, I'm a massive like Noah, Patagonia, they both have those models in place. Uh, yeah, I'm a big advocate for those brands. Yeah, it's great that we all like are starting to look to these brands who are really doing the right thing and making it feel accessible. We were just talking about before we hit the hit record that really now even like with the brand people we talk to in London College Fashion who want to start brands, no one's really doing anything that isn't using the word sustainability in it, mm. which does, of course, come back to the criteria, but at least it's a step in the right direction. Of course. Um, yeah, and that's what we were thinking about as well, Alex and I, about like Gen Z and millennials are really very pro-sustainability and circularity. And do you think there's anything that's really prompted this change or are we all starting to wake up? Do you have any thoughts on that, Mikey? Yeah, I mean... Firstly, like, I think the beauty of anything reworked is that one of one nature and like how we kind of see that that is luxury. Like if you've got a piece that only you have, no one else is going to have something identical. For us, we, we see that as actually luxury. Like you would pay, you know, hundreds and hundreds to go to a tailor and get something unique, one of one personalized to you. Well, the beauty of like something being patched or something being, you know, let's say you've taken a pair of Levi's and they've been completely reworked and only you have them back in our eyes is luxury. You only, you are the only one to hold them. Um, so I think the beauty of it is one factor that's kind of changed people's mindsets because they realize this is actually cool. Only I own this. Um, and I think it's come back to also people realizing like, Oh, it's kind of cool that I can give this another life. Like I don't think it's necessarily got like a really deep meaning why people have really woken up to it. I think there's obvious, the obvious things like in the news people have seen, oh God, actually, it's not great. I'm buying all this stuff from ASOS, sending half of it back, keeping half that wear twice. I think there's definitely that side of it. But also I think people have realized like, this is actually quite a cool concept. Um, so I think that's kind of pretty spurred, spurred an interest there. I think, you know, just to add a bit on this, 
Um, and I might have a slightly conflicting point of view. I think it's a really great thing that we keep hearing the word sustainability because while the people working in that particular space, we're kind of like, oh, that's really isn't sustainable and that's really greenwashing. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter because the more people hear about sustainability, the more awareness is around that space, um, the more mass it will become. And I think that's just phase one. And next phase, it is it going to be about having the right metrics to measure it and mm. how we can all have our own EPNL index. And that's how we're going to very easily differentiate who's truly sustainable and who is not. Um, and, and that whole transparency is going to trickle down to the consumer. Yeah, I would love to add on um, on the aspect of measuring because the frameworks were mentioned a couple of times that we can't say what is sustainable or what's not. This is another aspect of the industry that's quite exciting. Uh, companies that are coming through now that try to build a framework in order to validate brands. So obviously we have apps like Good On You that would say, oh, is it... Um, should you buy from this brand or, or not? Are they sustainable or not? But there's also people like Compare Ethics, which are focusing on smaller brands and uh, we work with them. And I can tell from my experience, they really thoroughly check everything. So I had to submit invoices, contracts, anything I had to prove that whatever I'm saying and claiming on the website is what I'm doing. And then they will provide you with widgets saying, yes, checked by Compare Ethics. We can tell you, we actually saw that paperwork. So there's someone else um, who checks it and not only people within your own company, which again makes it so easy to greenwash. I definitely think there's future in that. So whoever thinks about circularity, that is also part of it. That is also part of validating and understanding what people do. And in terms of generations, I find it quite interesting that we always um, try to divide of like when did the trend start, who is the one pushing it, which is obviously a very valid conversation. But I do think in order for sustainability or like circular economy and all these amazing aspects to really reach loads of people is for us to get a bit outside of our bubble. Because obviously we hang out with a lot of people who think the same and then it feels a bit more like it's already present but it's less present in a lot of other people's lives. And um, the reason for that is that sustainable, sustainable uh, companies are unfortunately still not inclusive in a lot of terms. Let's think about sizing. Uh, lots of people who require sizes that are not, you know, in the typical uh, bracket won't find uh, things to rent or buy from sustainable brands. And that's something that we have as an aim for, for us as a brand to expand our size range because we're not there either either we're definitely part of that problem as well then representation diversity all these aspects they need to be looked at as well so i do think we're at a good place where people start to become more aware people start to hear about these things press starts to write about it but in terms of getting customers on board there needs to be um, kind of an awareness from us as an industry so we don't make the same mistakes as fast fashion companies did, for example, of thinking, oh, we can reach everyone and we offer what everyone needs. But we need to think about a bit outside of our box and be more inclusive. Yeah, I, can, I also completely agree. And I think the fact that you mentioned about going through your whole supply chain, getting that checked, like literally point by point, going through receipts, et cetera. I think that's a really interesting point about, and it's about whether I think the big brands, are they going to start being checked, et cetera, in this sort of way? because um, they're obviously the ones who are almost greenwashing us the most uh, into buying these sort of products. Um, and it's interesting whether they'll start to get flagged up, obviously like scandals with like Burberry, for example, where they got caught out by for burning all their clothes, for example. It's quite interesting to see, obviously moving forward, whether the fashion industry will come under increasing scrutiny from these um, smaller companies who are trying to look into and like almost pry 
and to try and dig deep into the facts whether they are sustainable or not. Um, so I think that's definitely something where they can improve on and move forward to. Um, so yeah, just moving on from that, um, who were your, who are some of your guys' idols, so to speak, in terms of circularity and helping the planet? Don't all say um, David Attenborough, because he's one of them. Um, but um, yeah, if you guys have a few idols or, of yours, um, we'd love to hear them. <clears throat> yeah, I mean the the founders for like Patagonia. I mean, I think because they they have kind of set out from the absolute start as well. I mean, they're a B Corp, so all the money goes back in to helping. So initially, they were just buying up a lot of um, a lot of like the wilderness in Argentina to prevent people start. Well, the government wants to start fracking there, extracting oil from there. Um, so all the profits they were making, they were just buying up more and more land. Um, so their ethos from the outset was pretty exceptional. And then obviously the actual infrastructure they have within the company in terms of that, they have this worn and wear initiative. So anything worn out, they'll come, they'll re- uh, fix it up and replace it with you. But I think that kind of worked quite well because their consumer base were the sort of people that were also very outdoorsy and very into protecting the environment anyway, and really got on board with that. I mean, it's great that it's become a bit more of a mainstream brand. So other people have been, have their eyes open to actually how fantastic the brand is but i think it helped initially having your sort of set clientele that had the same sort of outlook and ethos uh, i think that really helped in terms of they're already coming on board with it um so yeah it's great that they have become mainstream and people have really it's you know people have really got on board with them as a brand um but yeah i'd say i'd say patagonia and nice. i'll just chip in mikey i think you mentioned b corp maybe it's worth just explaining that for any of our listeners who don't know yeah, what it is because it's so brilliant and like i didn't know about it until like last year so maybe you could explain a little yeah so a b corp is like benefit inclined i think is what it stands for and any so like uh, ben and jerry's they're a b corp and it's basically any profits that you make as a company you're actually not making a profit for yourself you're providing those profits to a social cause so you could be pumping back into like grassroots. I think like Ben and Jerry's, they do quite a lot of like political stuff, but you know, any company, for example, Patagonia, they're pumping it back into buying up land to protect it. Um, so yeah, it's, I think there's quite a few out there, like I'm trying to think of mainstream, like Dashwater. I, I see them a lot of time on Instagram. They promote the fact they're a B Corp. Um, and obviously what's great, you talk, touched on like metrics earlier, there are metrics. You can't just say I'm a B Corp because I'm giving my profits to X. It doesn't really work like that. Like you do have to hit criteria to be able to come and B Corp. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's a great initiative. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, and Coco, have you got a, an yeah. idol? The, um, I think that's the French in me speaking, but there is a lady called Brune Poisson and she is the former um, Ministry of State for the Environment. I'm not quite sure that's how you would translate her um, former position in English. However, um, she's been the one leading a lot of big environmental initiative in France, but also at the European level. And one thing that she has pioneered was a law called the anti-waste law forbidding um, companies to destroy any unsold stock. 
um, and destroy could be throwing it away or burning it. We're speaking, you know, earlier about specific brands um, and she's put that into place and has really been emphasizing this with um, LVMH and caring, you know, being two French groups. Um, so she's just quite interesting. I think another one will be um, Ben Goldsmith. So if, if you look at philanthropy, especially in the UK, only 3% of all um, investments on the philanthropic side go to the environment. But if you think about, um, I suppose the world is a more from a holistic view, well, if there's no environment in the future, there's no point investing in, you know, childcare and environmental protection. So he's trying to um, change this and, and kind of drive more investment into uh, environmentally driven causes. Perfect. Thank you very much. And Sabina, um, just touching you and then I'll have a question for you because I'm conscious of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Um, well, I find it interesting when we speak about idols, if it's people who are, you know, it, it feels a bit more like it's a one man or one woman show um, changing the world, which I think obviously it's not that it comes from different areas. But if I would have to choose, I think Aja Barber is fantastic because she does this great work on social media where she provides us with so much information, um, but also very critical point of views that are uncomfortable. And these work uh, equally well for the industry itself, but also for the consumer side. So um, I do think that is definitely something that is causing a change and making us all think about circularity in a different way. But also any company that is not there in order for, for themselves, you know, to be rich and amazing and profit from it, but rethinks business models. And honestly, we talk about it and it might seem like it's such an easy thing. It's really difficult in this world that is still built by the big players who do things in a certain way to go against it. It is very, very tricky. And it's like an everyday hardcore job to stay on it. So every company that is choosing alternative business model, a sustainable one, one that gives uh, back to the planet, to the community, is doing an amazing job. So I'll also, we didn't mention that app yet, um, Big Sojo app, which is fantastic. And Josephine is doing an incredible job. Um, definitely check that out as well. And I will pick an own as well as someone who I really enjoy because I do like that they've put the subscription model on top of the renting model because uh, this is validating um, an unusual business concept with something that will generate money on a monthly basis and help them as well with evaluation when they get sponsors, uh, investors on board. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you very much, Sabina. Um, just unconscious of time, final question for you. Um, you're now a relatively well-established brand. Um, what would be your one piece of advice to give to young creatives who are trying to focus on sustainability, circularity, um, so to speak. Um, well, thanks for the compliment, first of all. <laughs> um, I'm very careful with giving advice because advice would kind of mean that we all sit in the same boat and rules are the same for us and there's no structural differences between us or political problems as us people, which is obviously not the case. So whatever worked for me won't work for someone else and whatever works for other people because they have certain advantages towards me won't work for me. So I'm very careful with advices, but in general, if I would have to say something, um, just be real about it. Don't do it because it's a trend or because it's cool, mean it. If you talk about sustainability, if you want to change something, if you are about consciousness, understand what you're talking 
about and mean it. So it has to be important to you, not in order to put profits out there in order for you to become famous or whatever your plan might be, but really to have that purpose and value that makes sense. Great, love that. Gotta make sure you got your intention straight, stay aligned. Um, as we come to the end, um, yeah, Alex and I were just talking about like how things are going to change the next few years, I guess, with COVID and everything this past year, everyone has probably slowed down and started to think about their decisions a little bit more and what they're doing and spent a bit more time in their sweatpants. Um, do you guys think there's going to be any kind of changes in the next few years, any emerging markets, any, any final thoughts about, about the future and, and how circularity is going to continue to develop? Yeah, I think you're going to start seeing companies incorporating it within their, um, yeah, within their operations. I definitely think more and more companies are going to onboard that. Um, but then it's it's more it's more than just circularity in terms of like having like give back schemes whereby you're getting, I don't know, discount at the store afterwards. What actually is then happening to those clothes you're giving back? Like, are they being repurposed or are they just getting recycled? What's actually happening to them? That's important. That that's actually scrutinised to the extent of they call it a circular scheme that they've got, but how circular actually is it? But yeah, I definitely do think more and more companies will start bringing a level of circularity in. I mean, even if it's just, I know shirt companies using the offcuts to make face masks or whatever, there will be elements of circularity you'll definitely start seeing in other companies for sure. Yeah, I think it's, you know, to echo what Michael was just saying, um, companies are going towards being circular by design or circular by distribution. And I think the circular by design side is gonna be around how we're producing, how we're reusing material, how we are also thinking about the energy we're using, right? So, um, you know, there's a lot of amazing innovation. I mean, I'm really excited about that. I, won't, I'm, I know we're conscious about time, so I won't get into this, but, you know, amazing innovation happening at the fabric level. Um, a lot of companies also moving purely towards renewable energy, and those are paving the way towards what's gonna be the new norm in a few years time. Um, and then we've just spoke about a whole new ways of distributing. Um, and I'm sure, you know, we, it, there's gonna be a lot of other ones too, you know, maybe swap, swapping is really gonna take off. Um, maybe we all, I don't know, gonna be um, with our blockchain exchanging, you know, with token close. I mean, you know, possibilities I think are endless, but that's definitely where we're going. Um, I'm very excited to see what happens with companies that have been around for a very long time and they didn't have any of these aspects as part of their businesses. If they will uh, shift, adapt, add on, because we do see more and more platforms offering rental on top, Selfridge has just uh, launched something on top or offering experiences. Um, you know, we do see uh, more and more uh, platforms like About You in Germany that are trying to be a reseller market as well. So I'm excited to see if the shift that was started by small and independent will have a bigger effect on the big players as well. And obviously, I hope it will. Briefly going to add, like kind of touching on what Coco said as well, is like the circularity, a lot of, I guess, what especially with what we've talked about is like, of course, it's circular, it's going round and round, but we're kind of focusing out when something gets damaged or at the end of its life cycle, up, gone, like that's how we're bringing the circular circularity back in. But it's important to actually realise 
circularity needs to like what Coco said does needs to be designed in at the start of the garment's life like we shouldn't be talking about circularity towards the end of the garment how to give it another new lease of life it should be designed from the actual products from the out yeah from the offset like that is where the circularity needs to be built in to able like maximum potential to come from that item exciting very exciting hopefully there's going to be a lot of uh, positive change from the entire life cycle and, and second life of the garments that we all get to wear and use um, so we'll we'll probably wrap up there and uh, the fashion clinic um, is going to continue to host panel discussions and really hopes to nurture um, a more circular and sustainable fashion industry and uh, the industry is going to be able to change thanks to innovative companies like you guys are setting up um, so thanks for all your good work and if everyone wants to check out Sabina and Coco and Mikey I will share their info in the bio and maybe we'll try and find some of these um, great references and add them in because uh, the more we all commit to learning and researching and growing and consuming more consciously um, the, the better of an impact we're all going to have on the fashion industry so that's all for us for today thanks everyone for being here thanks guys thank you so much cheers thank you